0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, Now I highly doubt that everybody in this room feels uh, any lack of inadequacy at times. All of us, we feel inadequate. For different reasons or another Um, some of us we feel socially awkward Um, some of us we feel like we're bad parents at least from time to time Uh, you may feel like you struggle to to feel successful in the things that you do you feel incapable of pleasing other people if you've been an adult for like four days you know that it's impossible to please other people you feel maybe like you're too tall or too wide or or too narrow or too short Mine would be the last one, right? Um, I, was, I was on, I think, Twitter this week, and there was uh, something that I saw from a guy named Peter Dinklage, and so, you might know the name. He, he's actually a really good actor who also has a common form of dwarfism, and I think I saw online that he's like four feet five inches, which means I'm like 11 and a quarter inches taller than him, which makes me feel pretty awesome, um, but he put this tweet on. Uh, I think we've got it up here that we can just... So, He's on a calendar for the month of February, and he says, shortest month and you select me, this will not be forgotten. I don't know what it was about it, but it made me laugh this week, and maybe I feel like I can laugh at that kind of stuff, because I, I have a little bit of the, the, the shortness uh, as well. Um, sometimes, I, I know I, people think that I'm insecure about, about being short, because I joke around about it a lot. The truth is, I actually... I love it. I love that I've lived my life as a shorter human being because uh, as a as a youth pastor for 20 years I feel like I've been able to connect to junior hires looking at them eye to eye. Um, that's really good. Been able to make jokes all my life. Um, but I will say that there's one thing that that it can be kind of frustrating sometimes. You, maybe you've been in a spot before where you feel like because of the way that you look people look at you and think that you're inadequate in some way. And I'll be honest with you, that's It's not about the height, but sometimes, I don't know if it's the height makes me look young or it's just like having a baby face all my life, but that's been the frustrations when people think I'm younger than I am. Um, And so it it started off when I was really young, and I I share these stories with teenagers when I speak to a crowd for the first time, uh, but I want you to kind of get a feel for what life has been like for me, okay? When I was, uh, I'm not going to say how old I was, I was having a birthday when I was really young, and my dad and me, we were driving a guy home uh, from church, dropping him off. I think he, he lived in a trailer park, and so we were dropping off, him off there. And my dad, as we're dropping off, he's like, hey, it's my son's birthday today. And the guy's like, oh, that's nice. How old are you turning today, four? And I'm like, no, nine. You're not even halfway there, man. Come on. It's college. Uh, you know, everybody everybody is cheap in college. They don't have much money, and so... As a, as a shorter college kid, I would go to TJ Maxx and I would go to the kids' section because I could buy kids' clothes. And kids' clothes are always cheaper. I stopped doing it because the back pockets weren't big enough for a, an adult wallet. Um, but I would go to the kids' section. I'm standing in the kids' section trying to, trying to look for something to buy and this woman comes up to me. She goes, hey, could I hold this shirt up to you to see if it'll fit my nephew? I'm like, who does that? I said, how old is your nephew, 12? Yeah, it's about right. I'm like, do it, whatever, I hate you, I just let her do it, it's my life, um, then it got, I got married, and it didn't get a whole lot better, we were, Crystal and me, we were out on a golf course one day, and we're driving a golf cart, and I don't know who this lady was, but she came over from the from the other fairway, she comes walking over, she's screaming at us, she goes, you gotta be 16 to drive that thing, Crystal was driving, she was 25, and so I I get mad, I'm like. Um, lady, my wife is 25, and she looks at me. She goes, "Yeah, right." I'm like, "No, you didn't." So I get and I'm pulling out my wallet. I was struggling because I had kids' jeans on. I'm, <laughs> I was kidding. I just made that up. Um, I'm trying to get my wallet out, and I, I'm like, "Lady, my wife is 25. Do You want to see my wallet? I'm 20, whatever." She's like, "No." And Crystal's and she's behind me. She's getting scared. I'm going to beat up an old lady. And she's like, "Kellen, just come back. Just come back." And I'm like, "Whatever." Okay, so it's my life. Uh, it even happens on the phone. There's one time I got a call. Uh, again, I was married, and, and I said, hello, is Sam there? I'm like, "Ah, uh, sorry, no Sam lives here. And the person goes, well, this is, a, this is regarding a free carpet cleaning for Kirby. I'm like, yeah, I have no clue what you're talking about. And then the lady goes, well, can I speak with your mother? I'm like, no, my mama doesn't live here because I'm married. And, and then she tried to push through. She's like, well, I'd like to talk to you about Click. I just hung up. I was, I was angry at that point. Um, but it's, I think the times where it's been most frustrating is when I've gotten into ministry, some of these things have happened. I was, I was at Perkins one time uh, in my first youth pastor job with my boss and another one of our pastors, and we're sitting there having breakfast, and this guy comes up, and he's, he knows the pastor, and he's talking to us, and the pastor, my, my boss, introduces me as the youth pastor of the church and standing there talking for another minute and then all of a sudden the guy looks at him and he goes, so why aren't you in school today, son? My dude, he just said I'm the youth pastor. So, yes, it can be frustrating when people look at you as inadequate for some reason. It's, it's amazing sometimes, and, and don't feel bad if you've been one of those people here who had wide eyes when you realized I was an adult. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not upset or anything. Um, but all of us, when we feel like people look at us as though we're inadequate, it's, it's frustrating. It's not a fun feeling for us. There is a biblical principle that I think needs to be fleshed out. We're going to try to flesh it out this morning. One thing I love about Central, there's a lot of things I love about my church. One of the things I love about my church is that we believe that there is not anybody that's inadequate. Um, one of, some of our greatest leaders in this church have always been student, students. Um, And some of the greatest leaders in our church still are people who came through this church as students and now they're young adults and they're leading and they're doing awesome stuff. We need to get past the inadequacy complex that I think a lot of us struggle with from time to time. Because one of the truths in scripture is this, the least in the kingdom are often used in the greatest ways. The least in the kingdom are used in the greatest ways. I truly, truly believe that the least of us can be used in great ways for Jesus. Jesus. I don't know what your struggle is with inadequacy you've heard what mine is okay I don't know what yours is but all of us have those struggles and if we're going to be the church that makes the kind of impact for God in our community that we're supposed to we've got to get past these questions of am I enough are we enough because God says we are it's something that we need to fight on a personal level every single day. And, and not tackling this question of am I enough is it's going to affle- affect our influence for God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at, at one main passage this morning. And then I'm actually going to take a look at some different characters from Bible that I think really showcase what this passage is trying to say to us. And so we're looking in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 26. It says, Brothers and sisters, think of wh- what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, our holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I think I say this a lot, but this has always been one of my favorite passages. This idea that we can be so weak, yet God can make us so strong. Um, It almost sounds like Paul is, is ridiculing this Corinthian church in some ways. He's slamming them. Like, you guys are not wise. You never were influential. You were born to losers. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's kind of what he's saying here. You were not born of noble birth in any kind of way. You might be rich. You might, some of you might be wealthy, but you, none of you were born well. He's saying you are not the quote-unquote beautiful people. You are not the Hollywood elites. You're just, ran, you're just normal. You're just common. But while they aren't all those things... I don't think he's actually saying that's a bad thing. In fact, if anything, I think he's actually saying it's actually a really good thing that you are what you are. Why is it that it's good for us to see ourselves as common people? I think a lot of it's because the elite in the world take pleasure in being the the elite of the world. We all get amazed when we see a politician or an actor or an athlete, these people who are, who are wealthy with fame, we get amazed when we see true and authentic humility from people like that. Why? Because something happens when you get that kind of wealth and fame a lot of the time. Something triggers in your brain. They like to, they like the fact that they made it in the world. They think that sometimes they, it's all about them, they They made it because they're so great and so they lift themselves up on a pedestal in their own minds. And so when we see humility from people with wealth and fame, sometimes we're like, wow, that's really cool because you don't see that very much. Paul says here at the end of this passage, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I don't know if any of you are boasters. I am a boaster. Um, I like to boast in myself. Uh, This is saying, let's not do that. Let's boast in the Lord. All these inadequacies that we feel, it's actually kind of okay. It is okay for you to have some inadequacies that you feel. Now, I'm not saying walk out of here and be like, Kellen told me to think of myself as really awful. No. But it's, there's something good in feeling some inadequacy in our lives because it's going if to, we, if we take it and turn it the right way, it's going to take us to Jesus. We're going to actually look to Jesus for those inadequacies. See, where, where your inadequacies start the adequacy of Jesus begins. Where your inadequacies start, the adequacy of Jesus begins. Instead of me getting all upset and bemoaning all the things that I'm not good at, the things that I struggle with, I'm supposed to boast in Jesus. The things where I'm not good at, his proficiency is able to take over. And we see this right up front at the cross. The thing that... that All of us struggle with more than anything is living a life that is sin-free. We just can't do it. We can't live a life of righteousness and holiness and purity. We struggle. And yet Jesus comes in and and he takes care of that. While we can't measure up, and Romans 3.23 is really clear, we can't measure up. We have all sinned and we've fallen way short of the standard that God has for us. Yet God had set a plan, plan in place from the very beginning to kind of cover over these ina- this great inadequacy. He says it, it, right here in 1 Corinthians one thirty. it's because of him, it's because of God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. We could not be righteous on our own. We say this all the time at church. We could not be righteous on our own. We could not be holy on our own. We could not redeem ourselves. And so what happened is, God stepped in, and through Jesus... He gave us something we couldn't do ourselves. He became adequate in the place where we were inadequate. Again, where your inadequacy starts, the adequacy of Jesus begins. Where you are not wise enough, the wisdom of Jesus is able to take over. We we all fall so short in so many ways that are not even just sin. There's a lot of us in, in this room that you, if you had to speak in front of people, you'd be like, man, I just, I, I can't do that. I can't speak, I can't speak well in front of people. Some of you, when it comes to c- connecting with people, you're like, I just, I don't know how to make connection with people. I don't, I don't know how to talk in a way where, where it's comfortable and it's easy. You know, and actually, some of the early followers of Jesus, they actually had some of these same kinds of worries. They had worries that if people came to them and, and, and were asking them about their faith in Jesus, that they weren't going to be able to have a good answer. That, that the right things wouldn't come to mind. I don't know if you've ever been in that, con- in that conversation before where you're like, man, this is, getting, this is getting deep. I don't know how I'm supposed to talk to this person and share wisdom with them. I have zero answers. I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, so many of the times when, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, so many times when you're talking with me about, about difficult things in your life, I'm like, I don't know what to say. And then somewhere in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit does something, Right? Been in that spot where all of a sudden God takes a hold of, of the conversation you're like, you get to the end of the conversation and you go, man, I said some really good stuff. I don't know where that came from. That was awesome. I should have written that down. But Jesus talks to these people who are worrying about, about saying the right stuff. In Luke 12, he says, when they drag you into, into their meeting places or into police courts and before judges, don't worry about defending yourselves. What, you're, what you'll say or, what you're, or how you're going to say it. The right words will be there. The Holy Spirit will give you the right words when the time comes. Jesus overcoming our inadequacies. That's what he wants to do for us. I love that he takes my weaknesses and he makes things that are weak in me and he actually makes them strong. Doesn't feel like it happens all the time. But man, those times where you realize that that God has done something in you in a moment to make a weakness into a strength for his glory... It's pretty powerful. And I, and I will say, I think, I think that when we, when we follow after Jesus, those, those moments can happen more often than we think. I think this, our feelings of inadequacy generally fall into one of two categories. One is, I'm not important enough. The second one is, I'm not good enough. It's kind of like we say to ourselves, I'm either too small or I'm too bad. A- and those things that we're always fighting with those Ideas that are going off in our brains. And a lot of times I think it's it's a mixture of those two things. They go hand in hand together. The the uh, I'm not good enough and and I'm bad kind of stuff. Um, Jesus actually has a habit, I think. We see it throughout the New Testament. Jesus has a habit of using people with weakness. Again, I think this is another thing that we, we bring this up a lot. God continually, continuously uses people who are weak. And it comes back to this verse, that, this passage we're reading here in 1 Corinthians. He says, it's God choosing the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God choosing the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God choosing the lowly things of the world and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. Uh, I, just the last week or the week before, we were talking about Peter, Simon Peter. We've talked about him plenty of times. This is a dude that was, he was a young man chosen by Jesus. And I'm telling you, when Jesus came and said, Hey, Peter, come follow me. There couldn't have been much in that guy that was thinking, Man, I'm important enough for this. He was a fisherman doing his family's business. Nothing much to him. But then he had been with Jesus for three years. And at the end of those three years, there's a part of me that's thinking, He's probably thinking, Okay, I've been with Jesus now. I am important enough. But at the end of Jesus' life on earth, He does something, Peter does something so bad. He denies Jesus three times in in the moments before Jesus is going to die. And at that point, you have to be thinking, okay, now Peter, he maybe maybe thought he was important enough, but now he's going to struggle with that, I'm not good enough. And he did. He struggled with that. Jesus came in and he covered over his inadequacy. He forgave him. He still chose him. He still chose Peter, to the most outspoken, messed up disciple of them all probably, except for maybe Judas. He chose him to be a building block for his church. Now I want you to ask yourself, was that really Peter's doing? And the answer is no. That was not Peter's doing. Take a look at Paul. Paul is a guy who would have thought that he was important enough. This was a religious leader. He was a guy who followed all the rules to a T, he thought he was doing all the right things, but what actually he was doing, he was, ha- he was persecuting Christians. He was allowing Christians to be taken out into public squares and being stoned to death. He had blood on his hands, and he thought he was doing the right thing because he thought that that was what God wanted to be done. And so you've got another, another guy who he thought he was important enough, he thought he was good enough, but in truth, he was a bad dude. He was not a good guy. And Jesus... One day on a road to Damascus, he opens this guy's spiritual eyes by blinding his physical eyes. A guy who's got blood on his hands, of all these Christians, Jesus turns his life around. And then he takes the thing that Paul was so great at, which was writing, and he uses it for God's glory. He he brings this guy who was weak and despised and does something with his life. And he writes a third of the New Testament. Uh, I want you to ask yourself, was that because Paul was so good or was it that Jesus was so good at redeeming what Paul had to offer? I could keep on going. You got guys like Zacchaeus, another little short dude, who was also an important guy because he was a tax collector. But he was also a cheat. And Jesus says one day, hey, Zach, I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to hang out with you. And Zacchaeus sees the goodness of Jesus. Not the goodness in himself. He sees the goodness of Jesus. And he realizes, I have done a lot of bad stuff, Lord. I'm going to give all that money back that I have stolen. Use me. There had to be things that were going off in his brain. I can't give away all this money. This is what makes me important. I can't, I can't follow. I'm not good enough to follow Jesus. But Jesus covered over the inadequacies. Mary Magdalene. Uh, a lot of people think that she was... She was the woman caught in adultery who Jesus stopped from being stoned to death in a public square. We don't have a lot, of, uh, a lot of backup for that being the case. But what we do know about Mary Magdalene is she was a woman in a time where women were not thought of very much. Who was the first person who saw Jesus risen from the dead? It was Mary Magdalene. These are stories from the New Testament. And you might think that this is just a New Testament Jesus thing. But it goes on beyond that. It's not just a phenomenon of the New Testament. It happened in the Old Testament too. You got Moses. Moses was, he was an Israelite, a common kid. Born in a time where all of the Moses, uh, all the Israelite children, boys were being killed. He was put in a basket, put in a river, and then Pharaoh's daughter picks up that basket. He lives in Pharaoh's house in the palace for 40 years. But then one day, you, know, you might think he's feeling like he's important. But then one day he kills somebody. And he goes and he runs off into the wilderness for 40 years. Now you've got to be thinking, he's struggling with that inadequacy of, I am not good enough. And so Jesus comes and visits him one day. And, and there's this burning bush and God talks to him and says, you're going to go and you're going to free the, the Israelites from Egypt. He's like, no, I'm not good enough. I can't talk. I'm not important enough. I can't even speak. Let alone am I good enough? And I think God was probably annoyed. And he's like, "Okay, take your brother with you." But God continuing to use people who are inadequate. See, Moses was not a good leader. He was not a miracle worker. But what he was was, he was a guy who was willing to say yes to God. I want you all to realize he didn't say yes to God right away. Sometimes we think, "Man, I, I didn't, I didn't say yes to God like when I should have," and so now God's not going to use me the way He wants to. Moses didn't say yes right away. God had to, again, take up his inadequacies and show him, you can do this. Finally, Moses went and said yes to God. You don't have to be special for God to use you in a special way. You just have to be willing to participate in what God wants you to do. Are you willing to participate in what God wants to do? In our church, in our community, in your house? You don't have to be special, but I want you to understand this also. You actually are special. You are somebody that is called by God. You are invited to actually be somebody who speaks about the kingdom of God to other people. You're invited to be a voice for God's kingdom. Not just with your voice, but with how you live your life. The way that you love people. The way that you show grace to people and mercy to people. It's an amazing... I'm telling you sometimes when I think about the fact that I'm invited into into being that person that voice for God's kingdom that is a humbling thing we can feel really inadequate in that we can feel weak we can feel like it's just not for us but the bottom line is if we look to Jesus and let him give us that strength he covers over the inadequacy and sometimes we get scared away from doing what it is that God wants to do around us we think we've got to be smarter we've got to be wiser we've I, I, just, I just don't measure up. I got nothing to give. I don't think there's a bigger lie that Satan tries to get into our minds than that lie right there. I don't think that there's a lie that Jesus is trying to, trying to weed out of us more than that lie. We are never, here's the thing, we're never going to be smart enough to make a difference for God on our own. We're never going to be adequate on our own. That's, that's the beauty of what he's saying in this passage in 1 Corinthians 1. It's good that you see yourself as wise and weak and and despised and all these things because you're not wise enough for it. The only way for you to be that is for you to trust in me. For you to let me take the little bit that you have and make it something great. You see, you don't have to bring something big to the table for God. God makes the little that you bring into something big and useful. Some of us, we are waiting, we're 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 trying to build ourselves up. I I hear it so many times. I'm just not ready to do that because I still got to grow some more. That's not the way that God has it in Scripture. He calls us to things, and then he says, you know what? I'm actually going to build you up as you go. Now, there's some things maybe that we're not ready for right off the bat. But if God is asking you to do something, he is also equipping you and enabling you to be able to do it. You know, when you talk about our our capital campaign, if he's asking you to give a certain amount this year, he's going to equip you. He's going to enable it. Doesn't mean it's not going to be tough. (laughs) If God is asking you to to step into some form of of leadership in church, being a a difference maker in some area, he's going to equip you in that area. He's going to help you be that. If every little percent of people would give themselves to God... Think about how that would be magnified throughout the church. I think think actually kingdom growth, it plays out a little bit like how compounding interest happens in our finances. I'm so glad. I I was in a class at uh, my Bible college. And I was a freshman, uh, sophomore in college. And this guy in a pastoral class was telling us about, about putting money into retirement early on so you can get compounding interest. I wouldn't have thought about doing it probably except that guy that day got me to think about it. I was like, oh, that makes sense. So that whole idea, put it in early. So you might put $100,000 in between years 20 and 60 or $100,000 in between years 40 and 60. But you're going to make a ton more if you start it early and give over the long haul. That's compounding interest. Why am I talking about compounding interest at church? Because I think that ministry actually is like compounding interest. The truth of it is, you hear this throughout churches and throughout businesses all over. 20% of the people typically do about 80% of the work. My question is, what if if it turned into 30% of the people doing the work? How much more would God be able to to do through us? What if it turned out to 50% of the people putting in the work? How much would God be able to do in our community? What if it became 100% participation. 100% of us putting in the work. We might say, you know what, I feel weak. I feel, I feel inadequate. I, I don't have much to give. But even 100% of us who are feeling weak and inadequate, what if we would give back to God what he's called us to give? That little bit. And we allowed him to take that. It would become like compounding interest. The things that God would do in our community... The things that God would do in our church if we had 100% participation, I'm telling you, it would be amazing. One thing I say to kids in our youth group all the time, especially when we're talking about missions, I say, You are either going to be a giver or a taker, and God wants us to be givers. My question for you this morning is Are you a giver? I also want to clarify, I'm not just talking about finances here, not just talking about finances. Are you a giver? Are you giving of yourself to the kingdom? Are you participating in God's kingdom? A lot of us, we participate in a kingdom, but a lot of times that kingdom is a kingdom of our own. I'll be honest. I feel like a lot of the time I, that's, a str- that's, that's always going to be a struggle. Am I participating in God's kingdom or my own kingdom? It comes back to my kingdom a lot. Are you participating in God's kingdom? Are you giving yourself, saying yes to God in the ways that he can take the little bits of you and make them into great fruits in his kingdom? What this all comes down to is it really comes back to submitting our lives fully over to Jesus. It's a hard hard thing to submit our lives to Jesus fully. We either submit or we give ourselves to him and, and we give ourselves to him and let him work something bigger in us or what happens is we start to take blessings from God and never open ourselves fully to him Paul's message to the Corinthian church was that God chose them we didn't choose God God chose us in the in all the inadequate, inept ways that we are God looked at us and he said you're still the ones that I want to use you're still the ones that I want to work through no matter what you feel makes you incapable, he's saying, I I want to come in and make you more than capable. In response to being chosen by God, even though there is nothing special about us, will you choose to bring all that you have of yourself to the table for him this morning? Will you say, God, I know I don't have very much, but what I do have, I'm going to put it at your disposal. Everything about me that I have, I want you to be able to use it. Use me as foolish as I am, as weak as I am, as unwise as I am. Take me and use me for your kingdom so that what you want done is done. I want you to think about that. What if 100% of us chose to participate in the kingdom of God the way that God's calling us to to participate? What What could we actually see happen in our community? What could we actually see happen in our church Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.